What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Deer Vane Podcast, and this episode is specific to our Whitetail series. The Whitetail series contains 27 episodes, 9 for the early season, which are already out, 9 for the pre-rut and rut, and 9 for the late season. This episode is part of our pre-rut and rut portion, and we're going to be talking scrapes, rubs, bedding areas, food plots, pinch points, funnels, um, morning sits, evening sits, all day sits, calling, decoys, all sorts of crazy stuff that happens during the rut and fun tactics, ground hunting, like the spot and stalk. There's just a ton of stuff to go about. This is my favorite part of the season. So I hope you guys really enjoy these episodes. I think we're even going to have 10 or 11 in this just because of the rut's so much fun and there's a lot of people I got to talk to. Also, this Whitetail series is brought to you by Arrow Hunter Saddles and Onyx Hunt. If you're in the market for a tree saddle, definitely check out Arrow Hunter. They make a phenomenal tree saddle. It's extremely comfortable, very adjustable, made right here in the U.S. I've found them to be the most comfortable for me and um, and I just really like them. So if you use the code DVAIN10, you'll get 10% off your order. And uh, they should be actually shipping. They just came out with a new one here in the Mer- the Merlin, uh, but they should be shipping here pretty soon, uh, getting a whole lot more in stock. Of course, during season, almost all the saddle companies are pretty much out because they're so popular now. But definitely check out Arrow Hunter Saddles if you're looking into it. Uh, on a- as far as Onyx Hunt goes, everybody should know about them. You know, they're the they're like the premium GPS mapping app. They give you public and private land boundaries. They give you landowner information. They give you hybrid maps, topo maps, satellite maps, waypoints. They work offline. It's just a phenomenal app. I pretty much find myself using it every day during the hunting season. So again, if you're in the market for a saddle or looking at a GPS app, please check out Arrow Hunter Saddles and uh, Onyx. And without further ado, let's hop into the podcast. Tyler, you you just said that you're you're out of Texas, but you travel a lot for a lot of your hunts and you're heading up to Illinois soon. So is that mainly like a public land hunt or do you guys do guided or how do you guys do that? Yeah. I mean, when we're traveling, Casey and I, especially, but, uh, the last several years, it's just been public land for the most part. Um, there's a couple of places, uh, we're not afraid to get permission though. Like, uh, yeah. I'm not trying to be like, a some of the there's some dudes out there that definitely like to do public because it's the the thing to do it's trendy yeah. it's the hunting know, public made it cool <laughs> uh, yeah people have made it cool and like they would say that um you know like for instance i've had zach we've had him on our podcast and yeah he's like man we just want to hunt public because um you know that's that's the equal opportunity platform is public land but where i'm from here in texas permission is the equal opportunity platform like public <laughs> yeah. dude it's hard to find public here man like i mean if you're you gonna was it two percent public uh they would say that but i think they're adding in all kinds of like small game and dove leases and core land that's not actually open there's like not all our core land is open to hunting and stuff so, um, so it's less than two percent it, it's it's highly likely that it is I'm not <laughs> the yeah. thing to try to prove people wrong but yeah it's it's in that ballpark for sure but yeah i mean my, my thing is like where I grew up, dudes are, dudes get permission around here. Like nobody hunts public in Texas just because it's, it's easier and better hunting to have, um, you know, your dad's friend lets you come hunt his property every year yeah. or whatever, you know, like that's what people do around here. It doesn't cost anything. You know, frankly, you got to spend money. Uh, you got to spend 50 bucks just to get a public land hunt permit in Texas as a resident. And so you can't like go really? to the public land unless you've spent that $48 uh, to give you that permission to go on a lot of these 
uh, particular public land. Parcels. I had no idea. Yeah, it's it's weird, and it's um, it, it you know for me like I it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me to just uh like we just do what we would normally do. So like if I can lease some property, I'm going to. Uh, but the last few years trying to build uh the element and that kind of thing like yeah. no extra money. So uh, <laughs> we're hunting public land and we're getting permissions when we can and and uh. I mean, we'll shoot deer over corn. We don't care, you know, like, well, yeah. we're going we're gonna to have fun where it's legal. We're going to do what's legal and we're going to have a good time doing it. So, yeah. Oh, I like, I like that style. I mean, um, just real quick, everybody listening. I got Tyler Jones on from the element wild. If you haven't checked them out, you definitely should. They got, they got a great YouTube channel. Lots of, lots of good content on there. They have their own podcast. It's Tyler and KC out of Texas and they kind of travel. It's, I mean, it seems like, I mean, Kansas, um, Illinois, do you guys go out East at all? Or is it just kind of that central portion of the U S man? Um, starting to broaden out the last couple of years. Um, so, you know, um, I, the States that I have hunted have been, uh, obviously Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Arkansas, uh, Nebraska, South Dakota now. Um, so yeah. I hunted Nebraska the last two years. Uh, now we're going to Illinois, um, so, you know, kind of, uh, um, kind of that central region. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I almost went to Alabama last year, um, uh, to hunt with a buddy and just didn't kind of pull it together last minute. I was, uh, you know, it's, uh, well, you got to start paying property taxes that time of year and you're like, my taxes, you know, so I guess right. I'll pay my taxes. So, um, but yeah, like, you know, the, would go we would go east but man like deer season so short man it's like i want to go where the biggest deer are right now you know or the or the most uh, uh opportunity yeah. you know? so which happens to be the midwest a lot so you know we're gonna go Dude. to illinois this this week and um and uh, i mean there are giants there but like, <laughs> yeah if if a pope and young deer class deer comes out like he's not getting a pass you know <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well yeah i mean when you're going for all week somewhere or nine days or whatever it's especially somewhere new and especially pieces of public or permission pieces that other people have permission on you know and it's not always like i've been on permission pieces where the other people who hunt them get real pissed that you got permission you know and they're not they ain't nice about it like hey don't put a stand there i have a stand there you know don't hunt there you can hunt over there you can you can go hunt on the pile of poop right out back the the barn (laughs) Yeah, you know, I, I had you know, that's like same thing. Like a guy that's not even hunting it. He's just a, you know, a tenant, a farmer. And yeah, I'm happy that I'm there. It's like, <laughs> dude, the landowner gave me permission. I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry you're mad about this, but I'm not <laughs> bothering you, you know, I'm walking in and out, not driving in, you know, just right. That's just, uh, I think you just land is a weird deal, man. You know, people, uh, it is. Have been scrambling for it for a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there's they ain't making any more of it, right? <laughs> Same amount, um, man. So you guys, I mean, you travel all around. You're hunting these spots for you know a week, a week and a half, and grinding it out and figuring it out and getting 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 opportunities, which is awesome. Um, I did that a couple of years ago in Illinois, and I got an opportunity. I scouted it once in February. I was there for three days, and I got a great opportunity and totally blew it. My camera arm just kind of like it was sitting there on the deer. I went to grab my bow and my camera arm just slowly started swinging. 
And that buck just like he's walking in, he just looks up and watches my camera swing. And I'm just watching him and I'm like, son of a bitch. (laughs) Off you went. Cameras are gonna mess things up for sure. Yeah. (laughs) It was one of those moments where I was like, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have even worried about the camera, just shot the deer and and moved on. But um, but I mean it was it was still fun and um and there's a lot, there's a lot to learn from that. So like if you're, if you're going to like, let's just break, I guess let's break down your Illinois hunt. Like, how are you guys going to go about that and start moving in? Cause when are you're heading there next week? Um, I'm leaving tomorrow morning actually. Which oh, okay. So it's October. Air. Yeah. It's yeah. A, for everybody listening. It's October 22nd. I will air this, um, next week. I'll try to get it out next week. Um, I should be back or the following. <laughs> yeah. I already have, I, I got to push some people around, but yeah, I'll air it out next week. Um, and, uh, and we'll, yeah. So anyway, um, you're heading up there. I talked October 22nd. What's like your overall plan and what, what are you looking at doing? Um, so we, uh, we actually spent some time up there this summer, um, doing a video series that we call map scout challenge. It was the first year. Okay. We did. Um, but we were, Basically, what we would do with this series is we would um, uh, we would get people would send us map dots. It sounds crazy, but people would send us like a pin and or a coordinate or whatever. And these are places like people probably like they know they're never going to get to go see, but they've seen it on the map and they wish they knew what it looked like. You know? Yeah. So they've sent us stuff. We we uh, go to these particular spots um and if we can like dual purpose that and get get another different area you know in a different parcel in the area we'll go to that uh, as well but uh we went up there and got to look at some of the ground um and we hang trail cameras in a lot of these locations so i do have some trail camera uh data from this uh this particular area there's there's uh you know for me, probably like four shooter bucks on this camera this summer. Nice. Uh, we haven't checked it since like about September, um, but you know, early September probably. So there's probably some more. Uh, if it's still in the woods and nobody's stolen it, there's probably some good <laughs> bucks in there. There's one real good buck. Um, so like probably um, what I'll do is we're going to get up there tomorrow afternoon. Um, and the idea uh, being that it's late October is to – basically find corn versus beans so like with crop rotation and stuff like that you can't really trust the maps um and what yeah you're seeing on the map so just gotta lay eyes on on some of that stuff and figure out where the corn is um and i'm gonna try to like kind of uh dual uh purpose i guess you could say for lack of a better term that with like um good oak trees maybe and so if i can find because because deer feeding on acorns right now is the word that i have from illinois so um, you know, if I can find like basically like staging before, uh, you know, next to a crop field or yep. it's got corn in it with acorns, then that's kind of where I want to be hunting. Um, I'm basically in this particular area for some reasons that I can't really say there's, I'm looking for pinches. Uh, so, sure. uh, help me out. So that's, uh, kind of a big, uh, another big, uh, thing I'm looking at on the maps right now is like, how can I find a pinch in here, um, whether it's on the border and it's 40 yards from the road or way back in there? Um, Casey and I have been talking about, um, <laughs> this sounds terrible, but outsmarting 
other hunters and really it's just not oh, it's like, not terrible that's the name of the game man it's not like outsmarting <laughs> them as much as like you know if, if there's dudes are getting good at this map scout thing you know what i mean yeah. like dudes are getting good at it man and so um for instance i got a buddy that i'm meeting up there and he told me we we were talking on the phone earlier and he was like he's like man i got a couple of spots i want to show you real quick so we're talking he's walking me through stuff first spot he he takes me to is like probably like 80 yards from a pen that i've got and so it's like man you know are there other good hunters out there yeah. finding these same spots you know mm-hmm. uh, so at that point you've got to try to maybe the better way to say it is to just find the overlooked spots i guess so yeah you got to outmaneuver i mean you re- you really got to outmaneuver other hunters and a lot of that is uh you learn year over year but when you're there for a week it's it's tough to figure out where people are you know um i go a lot with trash like people who are bad hunters will leave trash around um tree stands definitely are giveaways and then uh and then worn like worn down trails you know if, if you're walking down a worn down trail you're probably not in the right area yeah for sure and th- right that's why I like you know like it's it's really harder to find those overlooked spots um because because of that that reason like you were saying like the trash the ladder stands that are you know like you, we find ladder stands in texas all the time dude yeah and sometimes they're way back in there but you kind of wonder like did this guy access from, from private even though it's a mile and a half back in because i don't feel like guys are, that are hunting out of ladder stands are typically like no. you know, <laughs> they're you know, not all on a mile probably yeah on public land it's like man that's you know you're not hauling that in very far usually so um, that's the that's the kind of scary thing like last year i drew an iowa tag and i killed a buck like 80 yards from the road and you know i felt i was like dude this is either going to be the dumbest move i've made or this is going to be like you know going to make me feel pretty good about myself and i ended up killing you know a nice buck or whatever not like a stud or nothing but a great a great buck and and uh you know, that's a, an instance where it worked, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a kind of big risk, big reward for if you're going to hunt close to the road, you know, you, you never yeah. know when you're just, you're just sitting there in the woods is what you're doing. You know, you're not, you're not, you don't have a chance because you didn't know that, you know, that was just a particular spot that deer do not want to be because of the road. So yeah, uh, it's a, it's a weird thing, you know, and another kind of point that I, I would make in regards to that is like here in Texas, um what we have noticed and things are just different here man like it's just a lot different and that's why we that's why we leave so much is because it's it's very hard here uh, from I, from an outsider's perspective in wisconsin i think texas is like a totally different state to hunt for whitetails like sure. i feel like there's a fence around texas <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yeah. then there's miniature fences within texas that house all the deer yeah. i know that's not really how it is but it yeah. from the outsider's perspective that's that's the picture I get when I listen to podcasts and, and watch hunting shows and things like that about Texas. Well, if you're watching a hunting show from Texas, it's, I can almost guarantee you it's not in my neck of the woods. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's literally from my house to El Paso's 13 hours of driving. So it's That's a long thing. Is, it's you know? so big. Like yeah. people talk about like East, East Texas and West Texas and South Texas. And it's just, yeah. you know, it's just totally, it's, like almost like you're in a different state really yeah sure i mean it's it's further to like if you were watching a tv show it's probably from the brush country 
and it is further from my house to that hunting habitat than it is from my house to uh missouri you know <laughs> i mean literally i can go to missouri and hunt like pretty good country i can hunt mark twain national forest and, and like a th- like two-thirds the time that it would take me to get down to the rush country in south texas and, and hunt like the big muy grandes that are down there you know so, yeah and not to mention you know i need about you know five seven ten thousand dollars more in my pocket <laughs> to that stuff, but, but my point is yeah. that, you know, like where I'm hunting and we're in East Texas and we spend a lot of time hunting East Texas stuff, um, not super great deer country. It's very tough, not a uh, ton of deer. Uh, we don't have like our agriculture is, is not, it's not uh, corn beans and stuff like that. Our agriculture is dairy and uh, coastal Bermuda grass, which is really no, no benefit to uh, deer yeah. as far as feed goes. And so like for us, man, I, we've noticed that like, we've tried to find these overlooked spots that are close to the road and they are almost non-existent, man. Like it's crazy because you'll go, you know, you'll, you'll map scout something. You'll be like, it's a mile and a half back in there. It's a pretty good haul. Uh, I think we're going to sell out and do this because you know, it's way in there and guys don't want to do it. And the thing is like, you're going to get in there and if it's a good spot, there will be sign of old hunting sign. There'll be, you know, screwing steps that are just in, sure. be, embedded into the tree or whatever. Yeah. You'll find stuff where people have sat. You'll find stands. And the thing is, like, you just have to, you just have to hope that you're hunting it on a day that they're not in there because it's just where the deer live. That's why people, there's stands there because people yeah. have been seeing deer there for, you know, decades and they've been killing deer in there. And it's just really like, that's, that's why going on a Tuesday, is better than going on a Saturday around here for sure, you know. Oh yeah, and and that's everywhere too. But it's just it's uh very much amplified around here. I feel like yeah, so, yeah. oh I, yeah, I can see that for sure. So with the um with the Illinois hunt, a couple of things that you mentioned that I just want to kind of dive into a little bit deeper, which would be like trail cameras. So you have your trail cameras out on public, and you mentioned like if they're not stolen, um what are you doing to prevent them from being stolen and where do you have them placed? Um, so when we actually hung trail cameras with, uh, one of the dudes from Exodus, Jake Hofer. Oh yeah. So we were hanging. So he's like the pro, right? Yeah. Like he's yeah, yeah. To- I just, I literally just posted a podcast with Jake today. Yeah. yeah. So, um, that's, we were hanging with him this summer. Uh, we were hanging those cameras and, Luckily, Jake is an expert, and uh, he brought a stick, so we hung we hung cameras high. Okay, uh, sure. Uh, we didn't use lock boxes or anything like that, and we never really have. Um, which you know, the guy if the guy from Exodus is bringing his own cameras, you know, it's like, well, if they get stolen, sorry, dude, it's your your fault. You know, it's your problem. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, not really, but you know, like we we wanted the, the data. That's the most important part, really. It's like when you when you walk a mile or more back in and set a camera and then you wait two months and then you go back in there a mile, like, man, it's, it just makes me fired up just to not have a camera there. Cause you know, it's not like the 80 or or whatever bucks it is. It's, it's all the two months of data. And like, I wanted to go in there and hunt and now I don't know what in the world's going on. Dude, like there are, there are, there are levels of anger. I should make a meme on this, but levels of anger when your trail camera gets stolen, like just give me the pictures, take the fucking camera. Yeah. Okay, fine. I'm actually pissed off. You took the camera now. 
yeah. you know, like there's multiple levels of just, I've had it happen three times and I've had, so what I'll do is I'll hang them high. There are some places that I'll just hang them at regular, like hip level or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll always throw a Python lock on there. Just even when I do hang them high, I throw the Python lock on there so that if someone does find them, they're like, oh, I'll come back and steal this. They're like, ah, and it's locked too. Well, even if I get up there, I can't take it. Um, but uh, all the ones that I've had with Python locks, the card just gets stolen, yeah. not the camera, which is yeah. like just as frustrating. <laughs> yeah, it is. it is, man. Really, like I, um, we've had a lot stolen. <laughs> Because yeah. we find it a lot of public land and a lot in Texas, and there's just a bunch of rednecks around here. And I'm a redneck too, so I can say that. <laughs> but, um, you know, like there's just you'll find rednecks in Illinois too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're everywhere, you know, yeah. like it just it's regional. So, yeah, um, but yeah, so, uh, we actually hung, I think, three cameras on that trip, and we got we one of them was stolen. So, uh, yeah. my buddy yeah. went back to check. Uh, the, actually the furthest one back in there was stolen. So oh, uh, man. And it was, you know, it was hung probably like 10 foot up. It was high, but it was a field edge camera. So kind of, I guess you could kind of expect it. It's, it's easy to see. So that's, that's yeah. a big part, you know, it's like hanging it where it's not easy to see. Um, and honestly, like a camera with a pretty good camo pattern, like a gray really is what works the best, man. Like, just you know some kind of gray and a little bit of breakup is tends to be the best looking yeah put it against the tree so i don't have like a ton of good you know like we're really cheap we've run some cheap cameras we've uh in the past and we've been running the exodus a lot lately um and they have a really good warranty so it's kind of like it's i think they they give you like 50 percent if it gets stolen in uh towards a new camera so it's a pretty good deal man you know and so it gives you a little peace of mind um and i don't know it's like we're trying to figure out like where the the cost benefit is when from buying locks versus getting one or two stolen a season or whatever you know like yeah i guess it just depends on how many cameras you put out because right. the more that are out there the more we're gonna go walking away so yeah yeah that's for sure um yeah and, and for me like I just don't, I don't run any cameras on field edges on public. Mm-hmm. Like, even if I want that field edge, I'll generally just like throw it on a trail. And I would rather like, say there's three, three trails that three good trails that enter a field. I'd rather put it like 30 yards back on each trail and rotate it every month or so or whatever, rather mm-hmm. than put it on the field edge. But I realize that you guys don't have that luxury. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, try and try giving that a go and seeing what happens is, is the way it goes. And sometimes you get lucky, man. Sometimes you come back and no one's touched it. I mean, I've had, I have had cameras like, um, so like right now scrapes are really opening up. So I found a really good scrape, but man, it was probably, it was kind of borderline for where I thought there was a lot of act, human activity. It's like, man people can come back here. It's only, you know, like 300 yards from the parking lot. It's like a hundred yards from the main mode path, but this scrape looks real nice. (laughs) So let's give it a go. So I found a good tree. I hung it high, locked it up. And I had in two weeks, I had actually, I only ran it for one week. That's another thing that I do is like, 
for, for like, I do like micro trail cam sessions where I will hang them on a Sunday on my way in to hunt. And I will pull them on Friday night or Saturday morning on my way into hunt. Mm. So then it just, it avoids those Saturday, Sunday hunters. And yeah. I just keep them and I just hang them for a week and pull them just to check that. And yeah. in that one week I had like four or five people on it during daylight, like going out there and hunting, um, one, two, two deer hunters and a couple, uh, small game hunters and pheasant hunters. But then I also got bucks in the daylight on that scrape as well. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of one of those strange, like, I imagine they just kind of work their way through there. And if there's no people, they'll hit it. If there are people, they'll, you know, run away. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but, uh, but yeah, other than that, like those little micro sessions are what I do for, for some of those. Um, mm-hmm. So you guys are going to go in, check your trail cameras. Oh, actually I wanted to talk about corn. So right now, a lot of places, a lot of farmers are picking right now. Yeah. So yeah. if you guys like, if you guys get up there and you find pick corn versus standing corn, I really don't know the right answer to that, but I would hunt the pit corn because my odds are better of getting a shot. Whereas yeah, standing corn, too, for sure. Yeah. 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 I'm looking for cut corn for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, standing corn is going to give the deer more cover. So you might find them moving that way, but man, it's a total toss up on whether or not they like, I mean, they might come out to eat in that pit corn. Um, mm. It doesn't really happen a lot during public, but at least like, like you were saying, those oaks that are, 40, 50, 80 yards off that field, you can catch them in there before they go hit that pit corn at night. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm looking to do. Hopefully, you know, hopefully it's good plan. I'm just going to go and mark all the, all the corn that I can pretty much. And and then, uh, and whatever else I notice, I'm going to do some driving the first, you know, however many 12 hours or whatever I feel like doing. And then, um, we're supposed to get a good cold front and, and, uh, during the middle of the day, I think. So I'll be hunting, I think the evening, um, after I've driven around some and, um, hopefully, you know, set up in the right spot, kill a deer and then tie one up for my buddy when he comes down Saturday. (laughs) So, Oh man. Yeah, no, it'll, that'll be a good time. Um, you mentioned pinch points and what's your, um, what's your thought process behind looking for pinch points or and also like explain what a pinch point is in your words. Sure. Um, a pinch point for me is just where like something um, with a hard edge of sorts is going to, is going to like funnel deer into a small enough area for me to get a shot. And I like to shoot close shots. So I like pinch points that are really small and, and uh yeah, so I, I like that too. <laughs> yeah. I like, I'm not the guy that's over here like, Oh yeah, but comes through at 40. I'm letting it fly. You know, like I've been shooting good at 70 or whatever. Like I'm, I'm trying to shoot deer at five yards. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> I like those high upper high odd shots too. Me too yeah. Dude. yeah. It's, a, it's almost, you know, it just feels good when you can just, you know, all your pins are on the deer's chest, you know, so. <laughs> that's how, I, that's how I ended up shooting my elk this year. I, I drew back and he was 25 yards and I was just like, every pins on him. Yeah, <laughs> just it's, it's pull the trigger. <laughs> Let it fly, you know, <laughs> Yeah. left and right is all you got to worry about. Yep. So, um, no, but so like that, that's kind of, I guess that's the best way I could define a pinch point. 
Um, so I could, a hard edge meets something else and funnels it down. So yeah, two hard edges, probably, you know. Okay. Um, and that's that like edging of woods pre- and what? woods uh, versus uh, like pit corn or um, okay. some you know, beans that have been cut, something that like doesn't give cover to deer. Um, okay. Um, let me think what else. CRP, like woods CRP. and tall grass. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so woods like, and like real thick woods, like kind of open, more mature woods with, you know, a younger, maybe a piece has been logged or something. Yeah. Yeah. And on that edge as well. I would think more of that. Is, I think more of that is in terms of edges as opposed to uh, like hard edges. I guess it's more of like a okay. soft edge to me. Like is, it would be like a, or this is how I would define it to each his own, but it's like yeah, it's, it's, it. it's mature timber and right next to you know a 10 year old cut or something like that like to me that's that's a soft edge because I, I feel like and even like like big warm season grass stuff um is still pretty soft edge um like I look for when I'm looking for a pinch I'm looking for something that's like usually when I call it a pinch it's like no doubt going to be a pinch there's no way around this particular okay the strip of habitat you know so like um like i the first time i kind of like not the first time but like last year i kind of had an epiphany on a hunt um in texas met a guy who was like um had been hunting the area while older gentleman not super old but older me and um he was talking about like I was telling him about my unit. He had shot a deer the first morning over a scrape, you know, a good buck. Uh, and I was like, I had met him and I was talking to him. I was like, man, uh, you know, I'm hunting over here, but like, where would you hunt in this unit? I always try to ask people that because I'm always trying to learn from, from people, you know, like I don't, yeah. I don't have to be the big bad hunter in the woods or anything like that. Doesn't, that doesn't mean anything to me. I just want to shoot deer. And if, if I got to ask somebody, you know, how they do it and, and try to, learn something from it then i'm good with that so anyway i did and he he showed me he was like well look at that right there man look at that that's like a big old pinch like a big funnel right there you know and really it wasn't a pinch it was more like what i would consider maybe a funnel um where like you were talking about with like different cuts of timber or maybe crp grass or whatever like the deer are probably going to use that but they can go out in the middle of the crp if they want but they're probably going to use that if you look at the aerial and this was one of those particular areas. And I was like, man, you know, I probably should just give this a try. And I go in there and um, the first morning that I hunted, I killed a doe and then, um, and then moved out of there. But as I, oh, I came in, no, I came in the afternoon before I jumped a buck that was bedded, right? I mean, I was so close to setting up on this buck without bumping him. And I had to go check one tree that was like 20 yards over there. I was like, man, maybe this is where my shots are better. So I walk over there real, real quiet, jump a, a shooter buck out of his bed. It was right beside oh, that tree. You know? And then uh, the next morning I killed it. I killed a doe in there. And I was like, man, this guy, there's something to this, you know? So like the last year, really, I've been thinking about pinches and funnels a lot. And yeah. as opposed to like, you know, bed to feed patterns or, or, um, other i mean there's a million other things you could talk about you know guys that are targeting white oaks or whatever you know what i mean like there's a bunch of different things but i've been really trying to focus on these funnels these pinches and so like what i'm looking at in a lot of cases are a creek system uh where maybe it 
makes a horn and comes out right next to an ag field or something and there's a small strip of timber it may be you know sure. 40 yards or 100 yards wide or whatever and you set up kind of on the downwind side of the main trail try to get shots to either side you know um and that's that's another thing that's that you you kind of have to think about is like if you're hunting a pinch that's 100 yards wide most guys are probably not shooting whitetails at 50 yards so if you set up right in the middle you got 50 yard shots to each side you know so you're, you're you know technically a lot of guys are not gonna be able to cover the whole thing right and so you got to kind of like I, I, in my opinion there's a there's a it's just one of those things man it's like and I'm not by me and by any means the most experienced guy at this or the expert or anything, but like the more experience you can have in setting up in that situation and seeing how things play out, the better it'll work for you time and time again. For instance, last year in Iowa, the buck that I shot uh, close to the road was in a, a funnel or a pinch. I mean, technically a 120 yard pinch, you know, like a big pinch. And so, um, I ended up setting all my stuff at this tree in the morning and I was like, man, I need to check to see which, which trails are be or how many trails are in this particular pinch. Because when you've got a, a corridor, there's probably not just one trail down the middle of it. There's probably two right. or three in there, you know, usually. And so yeah. you kind of have to like, think like, say the corridor is like this for people who can see the video <laughs> and you've got like two trails right here and then one right here, you know, so like you want to be able to shoot 120 yards there. wide like you got one trail and you're on one side of it. You got yeah. one trail at 20 yards, one trail at 40 yards and another trail at like 80. Yeah. And the 80 is just, you're giving it up. You know what right. I mean? And you yeah. try to you try to say that's the one that's the least used or sets up, you know, I have the worst wind for or whatever, right. but essentially what you try to do, like sometimes you're going to have to give up your wind on one trail to yeah. shoot another trail, but you want to also be able to shoot the trail behind you if you can you just got to make sure that you can shoot them before they get to your wind. If yeah. That makes sense. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> Oh, I've been in many situations like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's a, uh, it's one of those instances where like what you want to do. Um, I mean, this is why you try to go in early is you try to give yourself a little bit of time. Once you get to your spot to, you know, you try not, you got to balance the like leaving ground scent and all these things. But like you try to figure out like, can I just look at a few things real quick and make things, play out you know advantageously for me to to get shots to a couple of different trails because you know i i did um i did some editing for a particular deer series and i'm not gonna try to name drop or anything but uh youtube series and i this was a couple of years back and and i was doing editing um kind of make a little money you know or whatever and one of the guys that was on there uh was being interviewed he's supposed to be an expert or whatever and he gave a lot of very vague answers but one of which was um, the guy said, you know, like, how do you know what trail to sit on? And he said, you just got to know. And I'm like, man, you don't know unless you've been doing this for like 20 <laughs> years. You know what I mean? Like, a terrible you, answer. you still don't know, even if you've been doing it for 20 years sometimes, you know, like no. you have a hunch. But, you know, that's just not very helpful. Like, let's talk no. about scenarios. Let's let's do that kind of thing and try to help people out a little bit. And. And really what it boils down to is like, I think it's just being lazy about the answer, but yeah, you know. no, I had the, so I had a, a very, very similar scenario and like just, I don't know, the other week and I had an East wind and I was coming in from the North 
on this piece. So coming from North to South and I got to like, if, if you think of a line going from North to South and I hit a point and I turned East to go into the wind. Okay. And I found a spot that was, that I liked and I was looking East so I could see everything to my East. My wind was blowing backwards. Everything was good there, but there was a really good trail coming from the South going to the North. So if a deer was on that trail at a certain point, he was going to catch my wind. Right. And mm-hmm. there was a real big rub that I could see at like 70 yards on that trail coming out of a real thick area. Mm-hmm. So I was like, shit, I want to set up on that trail. Cause it's, there's likely a buck in that thick area, but I'm looking at this other really thick area that has a really nice scrape on it. So I'm in this scenario where I'm trying to figure out how to set up and, and, and get it right so that I can kill anything that shows up. Right. Um, and I, I don't know. I had, so out of the thick area that I was looking at, I had two does come out and I could have shot both of them at 25 yards. So I was set up great for that. The North South trail, uh, nothing came on it. Nothing came out on it. But if that I set up so that if I, if a deer did come from the South to the North before he caught my East to West wind, I had a shot at him. So I had a shot at him at like 35 yards that trail. So Mm -hmm. it's a real big balancing act. I totally agree with that. And the only reason I knew all that stuff was because I actually made, and for better or worse, I made a big loop in the area. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, the two does came out on a trail that I had walked like an hour and a half earlier, two hours earlier. So, and they were both, they weren't fawns. They were both mature does, like pretty large, 150 to 180 pounds, like good sized does. And they weren't together either. They were separate. So that tells me, and I don't wear, I don't do anything for scent and I don't wear rubber boots. So I, I, and they walked right down that trail and that doe was eating acorns that I had stepped on. So one of the things that that like kind of told me was, and Zach Farenbaugh, who you mentioned earlier, had talked about this as well on my podcast. He's like, ground scent is different than like wind scent. Mm-hmm. So if you leave ground scent in an area, deer will notice it and they'll be like, okay, there was a human here, but it was fleeting. It's not a lot and they're already gone. So not a big deal. Yep. If they get you downwind and it's just like, bam, there's a human there, hits you like a sack of bricks kind of like when you like smell a dead animal, you're like, holy shit, that stinks. That's probably what we smell like to deer. And they're Mm -hmm. like, yep, that's a human there. I'm out. So I, I really do think that that ground scent is, it's not good. Like if you can avoid it, don't do it. But if you're going into a new area and you don't know what you're looking at, like Every, almost, it seems like every hunter has FOMO, like fear of missing out. Like, God, what's over that next ridge? What's that next tree look like? Is there a trail over that little ridge? Right. Every hunter seems to have that. And I'm not encouraging that, but I'm also saying if you do happen to do that and then you back out, it's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It it really isn't like deer can still come out. And I, and I've, now that I think about it, I had it happen a couple of years ago too. I had on a doe, a young buck, a mature buck, and another doe all came through an area that I had walked previously. The mature doe was the only one that kind of picked it up. 
And she was there about 45 minutes after I had been there. And she, she wasn't scared, but she was, you could tell she was like a little on edge. She didn't leave or anything, but she was just kind of like looking around like, yeah, something's a little off. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's it. And then also to your point about like sitting right in the middle of that 120 yard cut or corridor, I think I, I would agree with you that I think that's a bad idea because you're sacrificing 50% of it. Mm-hmm. If your wins, I mean, regardless of which way your wins going, you're sacrificing 50%. Mm-hmm. Um, so sacrificing, especially if you have multiple days to hunt it, sacrificing only, you know, 10%. And then if that deer comes at that 80 yard trail or 90 yard trail, well, shit tomorrow night, move in 50 yards, right. Or 60 yeah. yards. And, sure. and if you can do that over multiple days, if you can't, like you said, you don't just got to know, you got to get damn lucky. Yeah. Oh, I know, dude. It's, it's, it's lucky, man. Like there's no, people can talk about dudes that are good hunters and stuff. I mean, there's lots of them out there, man. Most of them don't have some platform, you know, to be yeah. frank. Like, and, and, you know, that what it really does boil down to, man, is like time in the field and that ends up, you know, causing you to be lucky one way or another at some point, you know? And so, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I agree with you, what you've been saying, man. Like, you know, the ground scent for us in Texas, sometimes like I can think of a, an instance, like we were hunting the last weekend, which is uh first weekend in January, a couple of years ago. And we had a couple of like spikes, we can shoot spikes here. Um, and we had a couple of spikes coming in and were, we were about to, rip you know awesome. <laughs> yeah they get to like 40 where we had like me and him had talked we we're like okay do we set up here or do you want to go down and check this other you know fence corner or whatever and so we stopped and we had talked right there when they hit that spot dude they just locked up turned around and went the other way and they knew it slowly they smelled around for a while and then slowly walked off the other way they knew something you know and it's it's one it's to me like the difference is probably a little bit of the particular type of deer so just heavily pressured texas public bucks in january after they've had the whole season to smell hunters right yeah and then uh, and then also the fact that we stood there for five or ten minutes too you know like if you're and, and when we when i killed my buck in south dakota a couple weeks ago we, we had to pass the main trail to get to a good tree to shoot to the main trail. And then also same deal. Like I was, I had a 40 yard shot to the other side, um, to another area where it was open and I figured some deer would go through. And so when I turned around to our camera guy, Jack, I was like, Hey, just when you go over this trail, just pick your hands up. Don't touch any of the stuff, you know, the sticks and stuff. Just, and I, you know, I said it real, real, you know, quickly, but you know, I was basically telling him, like just try not to touch anything and just pass this trail over real quick and get on the other side of it, you know? Yeah. And we had a buck right through, you know, right by there, uh, you know, no, no issues really. And so I think it's just, I think you're right, man. Like if you're there fleeting moment, walking through, you know, just trying not to be touching stuff with your hands and stuff and just get through there as quick and easy as possible and search a few spots out right around your tree, make sure you you're in the spot and you're not missing some like major trail that's, you know, 30 yards up you know from you yeah. or whatever so um but yeah man it's uh it's a it's a hard thing to, to, to do is to figure out which trail to hunt on man and it's just i think it just takes a lot of experience and mm-hmm. and then you're going to get it wrong most of the time probably so 
There is one other one other thing I'd like to add to that, which is, and I don't know if it's true or not. So it's just something I heard. The guy's name is Joe Rentmeyer, Rentmeister. Have you ever heard of him? I think I've heard that name. That's a okay. That's a, sounds like it's part a of like the, the hunting beast. He he hunts okay. with Dan okay. Infault, and he's yeah, been on the public. Yeah, he uh, he was on a podcast recently, and he said he said he likes the smaller trails. Like if he runs across three trails and he's trying to hunt a mature buck, he'll hunt the smallest, most inconspicuous trail mm-hmm. rather than the real wide ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just what he said. Um, and I don't, I don't know if it's true or not. I don't know like how it holds for everybody. I haven't tried that. I haven't experienced it, but it lends some, some thought to, well, there's always the question of, when I have friends come hunt with me on, on the public by my house, I go, do you want to see deer or do you want to have a chance at a shooter? Like, yeah. it's, which is two different things. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, if you hunt deer in the South, they're all small trails. <laughs> if, you want, just if you want to deer, when you, when you roll into Illinois tomorrow or in two days, you there, there's a lot of big deer. I, I, I mean, there's a lot of big deer. There's a lot of good trails. I think, I think it will cause you to rethink where you live. <laughs> oh, I, Iowa did that already. Kansas <laughs> done that, you know, for me the last <laughs> years or whatever. Yeah. So, I hear uh, Kansas. Yeah. I hear Kansas is a killer, man. Yeah. It's wow. fun, man. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, same thing as I was talking about earlier is like TV makes it look real good, but yeah. not everybody has access to 2000 acres of prime <laughs> Eastern Kansas property. No. So, no, they don't. Yeah, um, it's not as easy as it looks on TV. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Um, so you didn't mention one thing I want to talk about is you didn't mention like like scrapes or rubs or anything like that. Like, are you going to be looking for those or is that kind of off your list? Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I take note of that stuff whenever I see it. Um, but so for so the the camera that has like four nice bucks on it. We actually hung that on a summer scrape. Um, okay. So KC found a summer scrape and we put it on there. Jake was like, Oh dude, this is bad to the bone spot. Like we don't have summer scrapes in, in Texas. Like it's just different, you know, people okay. deer don't scrape, you know, in the summertime. And there's not like, like I said, the, the deer aren't big enough to make like these big hub scrapes that like the Drury's talk about and stuff. You yeah. Know? Like, no, there's no spoke wheels coming into these scrapes or anything like it's, you know, it's a dainty little scrape during November and December. And then it goes away when, <laughs> you know, in, when the green up happens in February. So, okay. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> scrapes are like scrapes around here actually in Texas are like um, definitely like something here, like locally, I've got a buddy who's like always on big deer and he, he's hunting like a lot of river bottom stuff which are just, I mean, we got really flat country down here. And so like a river bottom is like several hundred yards usually at the, at the least, you know, of just flat um, ash and hackberry and just kind of like junk wood. And then underneath, you know, is a little bit of grass and it's just, it's like monotonous, man. And um, he, he relies on scrapes big time um, to open okay. up and, and be able to target deer. But for me, like, you know, I didn't, I didn't go up and hunt any scrapes last year in Iowa. Um, I basically, uh, just 
used like terrain and habitat mostly uh, to try to figure out where bucks are going to be moving through. Um, last year, the first trip we went to Iowa, we were on a really big deer. We figured out where his bed was and just moved in over the course of a couple days. And just uh, um, the last day that we were there, the last evening, we moved in and I was, you know, trying to get a couple of shots. This is on private. So I was breaking a few limbs uh, real quietly, but I had to get a few out of the way, you know, and next yeah, thing yeah. I know, like I get my jacket on and I'm literally like a minute from being still and ready to hunt. And KC grabs me and says, don't move. And I mean, he's at 30 yards, just looking right at us and takes off running. As soon as I look up, you know, oh, he, had, he had heard the limbs breaking and came to investigate. We had gotten a little tight to his bed, I guess. So, uh, oh, man. like that's, that's like, that was a, that was a, a different instance for us. We don't get to hunt like buck bedding down here or anything. Yeah. Uh, that's not something that we ever see, man. Like deer bed where they don't get, you know, molested by dogs, you know, that particular day or whatever that are right. like, it's just, it's a different, different kind of deal. But in Iowa last year, I hunted a lot of ridges, um, Creek systems, you know, like deer are going to run Creek systems. I mean, it's, I, I mean, anywhere you go pretty much in America, if you find a Creek system during the rut, like sit on that Creek system, I mean, they're going to go cruising up and down it, you know, and it, yeah. and it creates a hard edge on one side. You can blow your wind if you want stuff like that. So those are typically things that I, that I focus on a lot. Um, and then food sources, obviously, because that's that's the biggest. Uh, that's where deer are going to go to at night, you know, in the evening. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I scrapes are not like a part of my game really too much. And rubs, okay. uh, rubs are so random here in Texas that I've just grown up like not paying a whole lot of attention to them. Uh, as far as like, it's cool to see a big one. Like, I, I guess me hot, you know what I mean? But like, yeah, uh, I'm just not gonna like put it into my game plan. Yeah. I don't put, I don't put rubs into my game plan either. I think you're going to see uh, for every scrape, you're probably going to see 10 rubs. So like, there's just so many of them. It kind of dilutes the importance of them, mm-hmm. but I do, uh, I do, I do put a lot of effort into scrapes just because that seems to be where for, I mean, it could just be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like I put trail cameras there and then I get good bucks there. You know, yeah. and it's trying to figure out like where are they coming from and where are they heading to, and then you know, especially if you're only getting them at night. Um, yeah. All right. Well, where where they come from and where are they going to, and how can I set up on them? Um, you can bet I'll be checking that camera first thing when I get there. Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, I, dude, it's gonna be. Me, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm It'll gonna probably be full. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it, dude, if they're if they're. Uh, coming in daylight in there i'm gonna be sitting right over that scrape you know so. yeah i i think i think you're gonna you're gonna find a shooter on that scrape in daylight um so the i mean this time frame the 22nd is so it's what is it today the 21st i think yeah it's the 21st today um and the 22nd seems to be the day for my cameras to pick up bucks on scrapes um in daylight hours so and, and I will usually get like from like the 10th to the 22nd, I'll usually get, um, bucks on the scrape, but no mature bucks. It's all one, you know, have like spikes and, and little forks and sixers and whatnot. Um, but then the 22nd, 
20th, 21st, 22nd seems to be for like five days there. I'll usually get like real good mature buck activity and then I'll kind of slow down until early November. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, man, I hope, I hope you find some, I hope you find some giants on that camera. You got my cell phone number now, so you better text me a picture. (laughs) I'll definitely, I'll hit you up, man, for sure. That's uh, yeah. I hope something, I mean, I think, I think I feel good about it. You know, like I, uh, I've, tend to in the past I've tended to be a little pessimistic about things and I've been trying to work on that yeah Uh, so I'm a very I'm pretty real about things but it uh I also have been negative in the past about things so I'm just trying to like not have that as much be a little more optimistic Casey is like the ultimate optimist so (laughs) I try to balance it out yeah yeah. really what I need to do is just kind of get a little more hype sometimes with him and just let it roll you know but um so, but I do feel pretty good about this, man. Yeah. Like, it just, it's, it seems like everything's lining up. There's going to be good cold weather. It's, uh, it's time for scrapes to be, you know, really being something that is, uh, you know, that could be effective for us. And we've got a camera on a scrape right now. So it's like, hey, go, dude. I mean, yeah, go, check you it. Get to go to public land out of state and you've got a camera there already, you know, like yeah. it's pretty, pretty good deal. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you intend on doing any calling or rattling or anything like that? Probably so. Um, yeah. I, I, I was really aggressive last year. I was somewhat aggressive the year before. Um, see late it was, uh, it was like the last day of November, two years ago, I think grunted in two bucks in Kansas that were just like, dude, I mean, they were, it was, they were, I don't know how far it was a kind of a, foggy like misty day but they were way off to the point that like when the mist would shift i couldn't tell if i was actually seeing a deer or not it was weird <laughs> yeah. dude. and casey and i were talking I like about it yeah and, and i i hit a uh, grunt nothing happened i couldn't like the deer kind of disappeared i couldn't tell for sure if i was actually seeing a deer or was i just seeing some weird <laughs> or if it was just a stick yeah and so uh i hit the grunt again like maybe a minute or two later and then I just put it down and all of a sudden, like, you're like, definitely a deer is coming to us. You can see it. And, and then he comes in, he comes all the way to five yards in the, in the, I mean, it's just crazy how good they can, you know, pinpoint, yeah, pinpoint that. Yeah. And then, um, uh, there was, as he's getting, when he's at like 25, I look and there's a deer. No, he's probably like 15. And there was a deer like 40 yards behind him that he never saw another buck and both were shooter bucks coming in on public. And, um, and, ended up didn't kill either one of them uh oh, <laughs> you know, man. <laughs> the first one came in he was he was busted completely off on one side and kc goes there's another buck like same size full rack behind him and so i'm like of course i'm like getting je- like greedy with it you know yeah yeah like, okay we'll just we'll let this dude go by well of course he gets like five yards but he's kind of on the downwind side and i'm sure he smelled if not us our step or something like that you know and he busts out and this deer's at like 40 and, you know, just not quite giving me a shot opportunity. And so they just take off. But my, my point is like at that point, along with some of the guests that we had that over the next year or so last year, I was really aggressive and I don't think I called in a single deer last year and I could see a lot of deer that I was calling to. Huh. I mean, this straight up ignored me a lot, man. Yeah. During, I'm talking like during the ruts, actually I did call in one buck. But it was, it's the weirdest thing. Uh, I called in a buck in Kansas last year in, on like November 10th, maybe. And um, 
this buck comes out on the edge of this cornfield. There's a bunch of does out there, and he's just kind of – he's not really checking them. I mean, he's going group to group, but he's not, like, getting all up in their business or nothing. He's just kind of, I guess, yeah. checking through the groups real slow, calm. And I'm, like, giving him some grunts and stuff, man, and then nothing happens. And then, like, I give him the snort wheeze because it's louder. And I, he, like, never looked at me or anything. I rattled at him, never looked at me. And he's, like, 100 – 130 yards away probably and um and so like anyway he uh i can't remember the exact situation but i've got it all on video and um i I was like moving around to try to get shots was on the ground it was a last minute thing um and he um and when i like when i look back this dude is like not in the field anymore i'm like what in the world is going on like (laughs) I, i didn't clear the field you know like the does are still out there so like, I don't think I spooked him moving around or whatever. And, like, five minutes later, I kind of had calmed back down. I thought he just left the field. I looked back, and he's coming from behind me. He had, like, circled around. He's coming up from behind me. And I ended up shooting at him. Uh, but I, I didn't range or anything. I guessed him at, like, 35 or something and shot, hit low, um, like, way low. Didn't hit him. <laughs> and so – um anyway at that point i was like ah, i probably should range deer from now on but uh <laughs> i'm not thinking of that you know but uh in open country that's that's a tough thing but oh it is so. it is like it's really nice when you get in a woods and and you forget your range finder or something and you can kind of go all right well that tr- if that tree's 10 yards then that tree's probably 20 that produced probably 30 or whatever yeah, yeah, but if you're in just open, straight up open country, it's like uh, I don't know. In the cornfield, so you right? know, yeah. My name's not Levi Morgan, so I don't have an internally built rangefinder. <laughs> yeah. That's the truth, man. I've got a like a fifty dollar rangefinder, so yeah, yeah, no shit. Uh, so to 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 bring a little optimism to your life here. Uh, the best calling action I've ever had in my life was on that three day Illinois hunt. Um, I thought it was another hunter coming through the woods, being a jackass, just blowing his grunt tube. So it was just like, and I was like, what the hell is, what is this guy doing? You know? And I look up and it's just this big, beautiful 10 chasing a doe, just burning rubber. You know, and this was mid November. So it was like November 11th or 12th, but he was just burning rubber up on a ridge, um, chasing this doe back and forth and back and forth. And he came as close as 65. And, um, and I just kind of like, I was in a point I was, it was all dead leaves on the ground. So there was no way I could get out of my tree and move up in there or anything like that. And I went and sat there the next morning as well. And, uh, just nothing it was like dead the next morning. Actually, I, that's not true. I had a little spike come through, but, um, but yeah, I mean, one of the things about Illinois is like, everybody knows Pike County, right. Or a lot of people know Pike County, Illinois, cause it's in that golden triangle. Lots of big deer are killed there, but overall in general, Illinois actually has really low deer hunter numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't have, I mean, it has enough public land, but when I was hunting down there, I mean, I was probably like two to three hours from Chicago and I was having people from Chicago coming out there. And the big thing that I noticed was I had scouted it in February. When I got there, there was, I don't know, maybe like this piece was like I don't know, 800 acres and 
there's probably like 12 cars there. So I was like, Jesus, like where, like how, where are all these guys going and everything? I didn't find single sign of human after 300 yards from the, from the road. Mm-hmm. Like everybody was setting up on these field edges. So I was diving down in there. And the first night I had that real nice 10 point come in the next morning. I didn't have anything that evening. Um, the next evening I had that nice eight point come in and then I had, um, and that's the one with the camera arm that screwed up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the next day we had rain and hail and it was just real crappy hunting. So I don't really chalk that up to like not seeing a whole lot of deer cause it was real crappy hunting. And then the next day we had pretty similar situation. So I was just kind of, um, kind of bummed about that. But at the same time, like those days that we had good weather, I was seeing a ton of deer. Right. Um, right. And maybe that was just that front before, you know, before they, they all knew the storm was coming. So they had to get going, but you know, there's lots of different scenarios for that. Yeah. I've got a front coming. So I'm expecting yeah. that. <laughs> Dude, it should be, it should be good. Do you, do you own cold weather equipment? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got a few. I've got a few layers, man. I've got plenty now. Um, I, I have. We have different names for my my suit. I got this big. Uh, it's like a walls uh, coverall. Oh yeah, real tree, like the old school, like brown real sure. tree, you know. And that's what I've been wearing the last couple of years. And dude, like, put on a yeah. I put on a couple of layers and uh, then put that over the top, and I'm pretty good. Zip up the way. old coveralls, yeah. Yep. yep. Oh, so. for sure. Um, so then, um, last, last thing is you're hunting those pinch points and funnels. Are you going to be sitting all day in the, are you going to be sitting all day? No, no, just mornings and evenings. I can't, I mean, I don't know the last time I said all day, I can tell you the last time I wanted to sit all day. And that was like, never, (laughs) (laughs) I did not like sitting all day, man. That's not my cup of tea, man. I, I like, um, getting down, getting a snack, warming up and finding a strategic location for where the deer are going to be that evening. So, yeah, you know, I like, uh, I like moving my stand in the middle of the day. I mean, like last year in Iowa hunted, uh, late no or mid to late November. I think it was like the 20th maybe or 19th. Um, and I hunted, I mean, I went way back in on a ridge, uh, didn't see a deer all day or all morning and sat till like little afternoon and took it down, got out, went and hunted, um, somewhere else that, that evening, you know? So like, I, I'll, I'll hunt pretty late in the morning if I feel like I should, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I just, I'm not like, I don't love sitting, um in a tree stand really like some guys like oh i just love just sitting here you know but um i wouldn't say like i'm an impatient guy but i just um i just am like always exploring these options in my head and i'm like man what if i was over there what if i was whatever so well when you're in these new spots i mean it brings up a good point because when you're in these new spots you don't know like if you've if you hunted a property for two three four five years and you know like where these deer are coming from and where they're going to like, and you, you've, you've explored. So I'm getting to the point we bought, my family bought a hundred acres last year. So, um, I hunted it one year. I've scouted the crap out of it this year. And now I've got stands hung for the second year hunting it. 
And I got a pretty decent idea based on trail cameras and scouting and just putting a ton of time into this property where they're, where those funnels are that are going to be effective all day. And, and for me, those are funnels that, that hold cover that I can still kind of get to the edge of and are, are like tree lines or just like good trails that go from bedding area to bedding area and give them like, again, retain, retain cover for them. Um, cause they're, they're, they're very likely to use those during the day versus running across an open cornfield. Like I know everyone sees that in the Midwest, like, holy cow, there's just this buck out in the middle of the cornfield. It, it happens a lot in November, but on your property, it hardly ever happens. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Like yeah. you just, it, it's a random event and I don't, I can't base my hunting off of random events. Okay. Um, Right. So, so I've been able to, I think, I think I've been able to figure it out and we'll find out, you know, over the next two weeks, three weeks, if I figured it out, but once, but that leads me to believe like, okay, if I sit here all day, I don't have like a better spot to go to, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But if I don't know that, if I'm like, man, there could be the better spot right over the next ridge. And there's three scrapes on a trail going from bedding area to bedding area. And I'm sitting over here 80 yards away and I got no clue. Like I'm going to get up and move and explore that area. Like, like you're saying. So I think, I think when you're hunting that new area and exploring that new property, man, finding going and finding like where the food, the bedding and the scrapes kind of, all come together on a hard edge or a soft edge and, and, and there's, and maybe you just find food and bedding and bedding's just like real thick stuff that you don't even want to walk in. That's kind of, you know, you can see trails going into it and whatnot. And maybe you find that somewhere else on the property as well. And you can find a pinch point between the two or a funnel between the two. Um, or, you know, you you find you're sitting on that field edge or you're sitting close to that field and you're seeing all these deer, like, know 90 yards down in the woods move in one direction and you can move in on that tomorrow or the next day or something like that yeah like i think being being mobile and moving around is is a great idea if you don't know the property yeah i agree man that's that's probably you probably put it better than i could have for sure you know that's why (laughs) that's why i don't like sitting because just always hunting a new property you know so yeah tough to to not think that there's something going on 300 yards over there, you know? Oh man. And I like, I, I, I explain that like that because I am the exact same way as you. When I had that eight point with the camera come in, I had gotten into the woods in that area at about two 30. I didn't hang my tree stand until four o'clock. It took me an hour and a half to figure out where to set it up. And I was within five, acres, like not even maybe one acre. I was just like going back and forth and back. And well, what about the wind over here? Well, what about these trails over here? Like I am so indecisive. It's outrageous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I understand, man. It sounds like me, man. I just, you get in there and you want it to be right, man. You know, like, yeah, especially, you know, for guys that like, they got a week long vacation during the rut, man, from work. It's like, that matters, man. Like every hunt matters, you know, it's not it does for me. Like, I can, and I, I still don't, I try not to have this mentality, but like I've been hunting so much this year, especially that like 
you know, if I go to Illinois and I, I don't kill one, like, you know, I got one in South Dakota and so I feel good and I still got, you know, some tags elsewhere and got good part of the year coming up and everything. But like for some dudes, like, you know, that's especially, it. Yeah. I mean, that's it, man. Like if, if you take your vacation or your vacation happens to have to land in late October, like, dude, every hunt counts. And I like, I feel for dudes like that, man, that, uh, you know, can, they'll go in there on their vacation and hunt an evening and not see a deer or sit, you know, sit in the wrong, sit the wrong trail or whatever. And it's yeah. like, man, like, that's gotta be a defeating feeling, you know, I, I, I really yeah. do feel bad for people that, that deal with that, you know? So I'm very blessed to do what I do, man. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and to those guys who have that, like they have one week a year where they take off and they really just get after it. And me personally, like I had a week for the elk hunt and then I have three, three day weekends coming up. So the, that's the rest of my vacation days. Plus my fam, like my family vacation days, my wife's like, you know, Hey, you were gone for a week already hunting. Um, it would, it would be nice if you would be around to take care of your son, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah um so so that's what i have coming up and for me it's a lot like if i were to give advice to people that that are in that like seven day situation it's like a put in time in the off season putting in time on that piece in february and march and april is on a weekend on a saturday like a couple times is gonna really really help you and then also doing exactly what tyler's doing which is drop cameras man like i know it sucks to get them stolen but the information they can give you is is really invaluable when it comes to that seven days like mm -hmm. would you rather have the hundred dollar camera or you can go to walmart and buy the 30 dollar camera would you rather have the 30 dollar camera or would you rather have you know the information on that big buck that that you're waste that you're spending the seven days on mm -hmm. right i would much rather have the information mm -hmm. um and then hunting the same piece year over year will help a ton too. Cause that historical data, like deer, deer have been, a, been around for, you know, thousands of years and they use a piece of property. Generally, if it hasn't, if it's been in an egg and woods for the last hundred years, it's probably, they're probably going to use that piece of property the same way you know, generation over generation as they do this year. That's why some guys just like, kill big bucks every year is because their property sets up well and they have a tree that's just a phenomenal setup for some sort of wind and it just it's a killing like i i coined it the killing trees and i've yep. had guys on the podcast that have killing trees and they go in there and they'll sit that killing tree for three four days straight and they'll shoot 140 inch plus deer every year yeah it's just that's I'm, I'm trying to find those everywhere i go <laughs> you know it's like man can I find a tree that I can sit and shoot 140? And that's a hard right. thing to find. And like you said, man, you gotta you gotta spend time year after year. And um, you know, going going to new places doesn't lend itself well to having high success rates, you know. So no. Um, and I'm doing some new stuff this year. So hopefully, hopefully I'm lucky, you know. <laughs> that's what it's gonna take. Right. Yeah, I need a little luck. Um, all right, well. Tyler, it's been about an hour. Um, I know you got, it's late. I know you're, you're sitting in your truck right now. I appreciate that. I really do. Cause I know how that feels doing these podcasts. Um, 
Guys, I really encourage you to follow along with with the Element Wild, Tyler and Casey, because uh, again, they're they're deploying tactics on new pieces of property all the time, and they're figuring out what works, what doesn't work, and, and how to be successful on these new pieces. And especially if you're tackling a new piece, or say you've been hunting the same piece for the last five years and you're just not having success, maybe you need to move to a new piece. Maybe you need to try out a new piece and check something else out, just so you have more options you know, in, in your playbook. So I, I highly encourage you guys to go check them out and follow that YouTube channel and their Instagram. Um, what is Tyler, can you tell them where, where, what the name of that is? Sure. Yeah. Uh, if you just search the element, um, on Google, you'll find a lot of that stuff. The YouTube channel, I'm sure it'll come up and then, um, uh, the element at the element while on Instagram. So you can follow us there. That's like our Instagram is kind of our day to day. Uh, you see a lot of story stuff. And then our, our uh, YouTube, we have a playlist going right now. It's called Season, um, and it's everything that happens during the season. So we've been doing that the last couple of years. Um, and so that'll go until, like, January, and we'll start smoking hogs with shotguns on public after that. So <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, um, yeah dude, I, I actually did a couple of hunts in Oklahoma when I was younger for pigs. And I, I think the meat is so underrated. Like. Mm-hmm like we'd kill them and the people out there would be like, you're going to take them. And we'd be like, yeah, we are. <laughs> you betcha. We are. Phenomenal. I mean, yeah. Last year. So, so like this time of year, the, you know, this is like August and September are pretty much our highest stress period for deer. Like we don't get, we don't get winter kill here. I mean, yeah. you know, or like I said, it's, it's green up in February usually for us. So like, our hardest stress is when it's a hundred or and you know, extremely humid, you know, during, you know, August, pretty much July, August, September, that early September. And so like, same thing for, goes for hogs. Like they're, they're pretty lean right now, but like after the season, we'll, we've done, we did a hunt last year where we killed, you know, like, I think we killed nine hogs, in a day and a half on public and we just chase them down with shotguns and dude they are so fat because they've been eating like acorns all year you know like october people think of as the acorn month you know but like for us we have all these uh post oaks and swamp oaks especially like these different swamp and willow oaks they have like they're the acorns are tiny and they've got like they're super orange like tons of tannins in them so it takes them a long time to break down so like hogs are eating acorns in december and january around here and so like february comes and they're just it's like literally you open them up and it's like i mean you could probably like casey has made bacon he's like it's not quite store-bought bacon but like it's pretty decent and it's edible for sure you know like and so it's um he's been doing like a lot of ground out of the the hogs and like he's like it's better in deer ground because it's got fat content and it browns up real nice and crispy you know so sure right about it man it's it's underrated people think of a hog is all stinky and nasty and really what it boils down to is when you open them up most of them are not that way you know yeah no that's cool um all right well yeah you guys go find go find the element and um the element wild is it the element or the element wild uh well you know it depends on who you are we we typically (laughs) call ourselves the element it's just easier less of a mouthful yeah yeah. So, All right. Yeah. yeah. Go guys, go find the element. And then two things that I'm going to ask of you. One, if you like this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. And then two, 
with this whitetail series, if there's anything that I'm not covering in these podcasts, things that I, questions that I'm not asking these guests, please like find me on Instagram, find me on Facebook, write me. My email is hellera90 at gmail.com. Write me and, and submit your questions. Cause like I do a lot of this stuff for myself per, personally, like selfishly, like I want to hear Tyler's story and I want to learn from Tyler, but I also obviously am doing this for, for all of you guys too, to learn from it as well. Um, so if, again, if there's questions that I'm not asking, please, you know, write me, fill me in on what you want to know, because I I'm, I'm happy to ask. All right. Well, thanks for being on again, Tyler. And, yeah, uh, we'll catch all you guys later. Appreciate it, man.